This is lesson number three on the priesthood, the picture of the high priest in the tabernacle in the wilderness that God had Moses to build. All right, if you'll open your Bible this morning to Exodus chapter 28, we're looking at the second garment that uh, God had Moses to create, to put on Aaron when he went into the Holy of Holies and to meet with God on behalf of the people. It's called the robe. Uh, let's begin down in verse number 31. <clears throat> and thou shalt make the robe of the apod all of blue. You can underline that. That's important. And there shall be a hole in the top of it. In the midst thereof, it shall have a binding of woven work round about the hole of it, as it were the hole of a harbagon, that it be not rent. And beneath upon the hem... It, him of it, thou shalt make pomegranates of blue and of purple and of scarlet round about the hem thereof and the bells of gold between them round about. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe round about. And it shall be upon Aaron to minister and his sound shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord, and when he cometh out, that he die not. Again, this is the second garment that uh, the high priest wore in those days when he was going into the Holy of Holies. You remember last week we studied the uh, coat, which was pure white. It was for covering. The primary meaning of the coat was to cover or to hide. You remember last week that we went back, we were talking about the law of first mention. We went back to the first place in the scriptures in Genesis where God used the word coat after Adam and Eve had transgressed and disobeyed God. God had made them a coat of skins and it was created to cover their nakedness. Uh, you know, one of God's demands is for Christians today is uh, modesty, modest dress. And this, the coat was a picture of it. And uh, the robe that we're studying today adds to that. Just make one little comment uh, before we start to study the robe. It's set up in verse number 32, said they, uh, when it was made, it had a hole in the top of it. That was to go over the head and around the neck of a harbagon that was, that was woven of three very strong materials. It was more like an armor plate there that it could not be rent, could not be torn open. I think that illustrates clearly that God expects everyone to cover the parts of their body that are what we consider private parts. They should not even come close to showing private parts, and it ought to be made in such a way. The, the apparel that we wear, wear today, we ought to be careful that it can't uh, come unbuttoned or fly open or be torn open, that uh, we have an absolute modest appearance as God's people, as children of God, that we represent Him. You know, we've repeated this verse again and again, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, whether you eat or whether you drink, that's the two very basic things of life. And he said, in whatsoever you do, you do all for the glory of God. So I would encourage you, man or woman, either one, when you leave your house and you go out into the public eye, be careful that you dress in a manner that would please the Lord, 
be acceptable to the Lord, would bring glory and honor to Him, and that people would look at you and look at me and say, they're different. They're not like the world. They don't dress like the world. I think that's part of our testimony. All right, let's look at the robe. The primary meaning of the coat was to cover a hide. The primary meaning of the robe is to identify one's office or one's authority or both, if you want to put them all together. Uh, the wearing of a robe in that day and still today in many areas will picture a position that a person holds that is a position of office or a position of authority. Let's look back in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 4. 1 Samuel 24 and verse 4, and we'll see a picture of King David here. And of course, you know King David had set out, I'm sorry, King Saul. King Saul had set out to kill David because he was angry with him. Uh, verse number 4, And the men of David said unto him, Behold the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thy enemy into thy hand, that was Saul, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of, Paul, of Saul's what? robe privately. Everybody see the picture we're talking about. The robe pictured office, pictured dignity, pictured authority, pictured an office that was held by a man, and he was given respect by the manner in which he dressed in that robe. Now, third thing we want to look at this morning, there's a tremendous truth in here. We're going to, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not known very well for chasing rabbits, but we're going to chase a rabbit this morning. I think it's worth it, and I think you'll, uh, it'll be a blessing to you. But the robe was solid blue. Uh, we looked at that back over in uh, Exodus. It's, it's repeated several times there and in Exodus 39. It was made of solid blue. There was no other color in it until you got the pomegranates and the uh, golden bells on the bottom. What does the blue picture? The blue always, always pictures a blue sky and it pictures grace. Never anywhere in Scripture does the color blue picture judgment. Storm clouds, on the other hand, are the very opposite. They picture judgment. Uh, even when we see the storm clouds run in, come in in our life, we know that something's going on, and it'll even sometimes put a little bit of fear in our heart when the storm clouds and some serious weather is predicted. So those two are opposite. But what I want you to see is the blue pictures heavenly things, and in this case, the blue pictures, uh, uh, deity, royalty, everything about it pictures God at his very highest. As we've already studied uh, as we've gone through the tabernacle, the tabernacle had the color blue throughout the tabernacle. It was in the entrance gate in the outer court. It was in the veil that went into the holy place. It was in the veil that went into the holy of holies. Uh, blue always pictures the heavens above, and that pictures godly things. Look in Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 26. Ezekiel 1 and verse 26. And above the firmament that was over their heads, the sky, was the likeness of a throne, God's thrones in the third heaven, as the appearance of a sapphire stone, 
and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness of the as the appearance of a man above upon it. Uh, we won't go into exposition on that verse, but this, it said it was the appearance of a sapphire stone. Sapphire stone is a beautiful, beautiful blue stone. So what I'm wanting you to see is that the color blue, you look up at the sky, it pictures heavenly things. It was over their head. It was a likeness of a throne. That pictures, that speaks of the throne of God sitting in heavenly places as God looks down upon this earth. Now, I said a minute ago, we we're going to run a rabbit. I think it's worth running. We've covered this truth before, but it was amazing to me. I've said again, I get, I'm still amazed at how I find again and again how God put the scriptures together. I'm sure you've heard this. You want to know what a certain passage means in the Bible? Compare scripture with scripture, and you'll figure out what it means. Now, uh, we've already studied the tabernacle. We did not make any comment in any way as to how the tabernacle was moved and transported when they moved from place to place. Uh, basically, the plan was when God instructed them to move the tabernacle, they packed it all up, they covered everything up, and they would generally move it three days travel. Back in that day, on foot and just with pack animals, a day's travel was considered 20 miles. So they basically moved it 60 miles each time that they moved. More take uh, exact. There's no way to figure that exact. doesn't really make any difference. But God gave detailed instructions as to how they were to move the tabernacle. Let's look in Numbers chapter 4 and begin reading in verse 5. Numbers 4 and verse 5. Now, I, I, I'm not trying to trick you, but I want you to watch very, very carefully at what is said and see if you pick up anything unusual. And when the camp setteth forward, Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it. That was the veil with four colors. And shall put thereupon the covering of badger skins and shall spread over it a cloth holy of blue. And it shall and shall put the staves thereof, put and put in the staves thereof. Let me stop pointing out it. The last the last covering that went on the Ark of the Covenant, which is where God said, "I'll meet with you there." It was a covering holy of blue. Nothing was to be showing but the blue. Now let's move on to the rest of it. <clears throat> and upon the table of showbread, they shall spread a cloth of blue. And put thereon the dishes and the spoons and the bowls and cover to cover with all, and the continual bread shall be thereon, and they shall spread upon them a cloth of scarlet, and cover the same with a covering of badger skins, and shall put in and shall put in the staves thereof, and they shall take a cloth of blue and cover the candlestick of the light and his lamps, and his tongs, and his snuff dishes, and all the oil vessels thereupon, wherewith they minister unto it, and they shall put and they shall put it and all the vessels thereof within a covering of badger skins, and shall put it into a bar. And upon the golden altar they shall spread a cloth of blue, and cover it with a covering of badger skins, and shall put to the staves thereof. And they shall take all the instruments of ministry wherewith they minister in the sanctuary 
and put them in a cloth of blue and cover them with a covering of badger skins and shall put them on a bar and they shall take away the ashes of the altar and spread a purple cloth thereon and they shall put upon it all the vessels thereof wherewith they minister about it even the censers and the flesh hooks and the shovels and the basins all the vessels upon the altar and they shall spread upon it a covering of badger skins and put to and put to the staves of it and when Aaron and his sons had made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary, as the camp is to set forward, after that the sons of Kohath shall come and bury it. They shall not touch any holy thing, lest they die. These things are the burden of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation. <clears throat> now, I think everybody picked up. We pointed it out as we went. When they covered the Ark of the Covenant... The last covering they put on was holy of blue. Everything else that they covered from then on was covered with badger skins. It pictures that the Lord Jesus Christ, God of heaven, is to be the center of all that we do, and he is our leader, and he is our guide. And again and again, the scripture said, said when you see the ark move, you move. When they stepped into the Red Sea, they said, when you see the ark, then uh, the people ought to follow the ark, go through the red school. You all remember that. <clears throat> all right. Uh, let me ask a question. Did anybody pick up anything that was strange as we read through the preparation that they made to get ready to transport the ark from where it was to a three days journey? All right, I've not said this before. I'll be saying it again, but let me, let me just encourage you. When you read your Bible, when you study your Bible, of course, you want to concentrate on what you're reading and try to ask God to give you understanding, to open your understanding, to open your eyes, and see. To ask God to give you everything that's there to help you, to encourage you, and maybe to teach others. But as you read and as you study, I would encourage you to do this not only read and study what's there, watch for what's not there. Watch for things that are omitted and no comment whatsoever is made. Did anybody pick up anything that was left out? If you go back and read that, you'll find out that God gave no instructions whatsoever about covering the labor. The, the, bra the, the brazen labor, that's the place where the priest, before he went into the holy, the holy place, which that pictures the local church for today, he was going in to minister. We've been over that again and again. We won't cover that again. He was to go in and he was to wash. He was to cleanse himself. He'd been washed all over. But as we said when we first started this study, the tabernacle was the most beautiful building ever built, elaborate, gold, and everything about it was amazing, but it had no floor. And the priest walked on a dirty floor in the world, just as you and I do today, and he needed to wash every day. He needed to wash periodically throughout the day. And we still need the same thing today. I think the lesson that, I'm wanting, that, that God would have us to see and I'm wanting to encourage you with if the people needed to meet with God, as the priest did, of course, that was only once a year, the tabernacle was being moved three days down the through the wilderness. 
that could wait. That could wait until the tabernacle got where it was going to set up again the second time. You move into the local church setting in the holy place, uh, the table of showbread there. If the people needed to go in and eat showbread, that's important, but it could wait until the tabernacle got to the next stopping place. If they needed the anointing and the light of the Holy Spirit, that could wait till they got it all set up again at the next camping place and the covers were taken off. Even the golden altar where prayers of intercession were made, if they needed to do that, it was covered. That could wait until they got to where the tabernacle was set up again and it was uncovered. But the labor was never covered. It was available for use by the people every day, all day, 24 hours a day. And as we studied when we went through the pieces in the tabernacle, the furniture, you recall this, there was, God gave no dimensions. In other words, it's got no limits. It's a round circle. It's got no boundaries. The labor of God, when you have sinned against God, even think from uh, uh, thinking a thought you should not think, the labor's always there. It's always available. I, you, I, I've talked to people. They said, oh, Brother Gamberry, you don't know what I've done in my life. It just can't be forgiven. There's no boundaries on the forgiveness of God. There's no limits on the forgiveness of God. You remember Peter said, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And God said, no, 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 Peter, seven times 70, 490 times. And that did not mean 490 times. God just said, you keep, you keep forgiving and you forgive and you forgive and you just keep on forgiving. And that's the way God forgives us. And we can come anytime, any place, anywhere you might happen to be. There's no limits. There's no boundaries. We've got unlimited forgiveness. And it's always available. You don't have to wait till you come to church and Brother Cutshaw preaches on something. God speaks to your heart for you to get right with God and wash your hands and your feet and return to fellowship with the Lord. Whew. I don't know about you, but I need that every day. And I can't wait till we have a church service from Sunday to Sunday or Sunday to Wednesday. That all three of your souls, that God has made it available to you on a second's notice. If you're in the workplace and you think something, say something, do something you shouldn't do, you can stop where you are and say, Lord, pray you'd forgive me, Lord, I've sinned against you. And God will cleanse you. You remember 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, we all live in a body of sin. We're all depraved and we sin daily. And you know that and I know that. But thank God Romans 5.20 says, Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And later Paul said, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by the grace of God, you and I have got the labor of God, the Word of God, the Spirit of God. And that labor is open to you every day, all day, all through the day and there's no limits again I don't care you haven't done what Paul did he committed people to prison he murdered people he hated God he hated the church he said I am the chief of sinners people have disputed that you can't dispute the word of God Paul was the chief of sinners and yet God forgave him so there is an absolute great truth in the picture blue 
where it was involved, it was even covered up as it traveled except for God that led the way. Now, I want, I want you to see one more thing that ties together with all this. Turn to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 5. I want you to watch this. Let's go back up to verse 4. That's where it starts. Now, we're talking about the false church, the false religion. And the woman was arrayed. Now, watch. Watch what's not said, okay? And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet cover color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication and upon her forehead was a name written mystery babylon the great the mother of harlots the abominations of the earth now look over in chapter 18 and verse 16 now watch again what's not said there and saying, Alas and alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. Or we'll end our reading there. What was left out? What was not? Blue was left out. All of the colors are mentioned there except blue. What does that teach us about this harlot church, this false church, this false religion? teaches us that God doesn't have any part of it. This, uh, this this harlot woman that represents the false church, the ungodly church, and makes commits fornication with the kings of the earth. She's got the purple. She's got the scarlet. She's got the fine linen. She's got the decked with gold, but there's no blue. That tells us God doesn't have any part of that. God's not any part of that. You say, well, what about the rest of the colors? When you take the rest of the colors, the purple, the white, the red, the gold, and you leave the blue out of it, you've left heaven out, the, the entire meaning changes. God's not got any part of that. God's not there. God's not in this ungodly, wicked Catholic church. And I don't mean that derogatory. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about a doctrine of Catholicism that's ungodly and wicked. When you take the blue out, you say, well, Brother Gambrell, the, the fine white linen's there. When you take the blue out of it, it's no longer imputed righteousness. It comes from God. It's self-righteousness that we create by doing good works. There's a tremendous difference. One is imputed and we're declared righteous. The other was the self-righteousness and it becomes what? Filthy rags. Then you take the purple. The purple is a... Uh, a a picture of royalty. But when you take the blue out of it, you take God out of it, you take heaven out of it, it becomes self-exaltation. Now think about that concerning some of these false religions, particularly the Catholic Church. What do they do? They exalt themselves as the only true church. They exalt themselves as the church you've got to be a member of if you ever hope to go to heaven. It's the purple becomes self-exaltation. The white becomes self-righteousness instead of imputed righteousness that comes from the one that is righteous and can impute righteous righteousness. And then the red, the scarlet, instead of meaning, instead of speaking of the blood of the lamb that washes away the sins of the world, right? without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Instead of picturing the blood of the Lamb that was shed for the sins of the world, it pictures a man-made method of having your sins forgiven 
that you can receive pardon and go to heaven. It won't work. That's also pictured in the Catholic Church. What do they do? They have a confession booth. People come, line up, get on their knees, a little screen there, and they confess all their ungodly, wicked sins to another ungodly, wicked sinner sitting behind the, in that little booth, and he says, you're forgiven. God bless you. And he crosses himself. God help us. And those people go away thinking their sins have been forgiven. As all of you know, my wife and I worked in Mexico for a lot of years, and we're still in Mexico and out of it quite often. Uh, you can go in the Catholic Church there, and if you want to go out and get drunk that night, you can come in in the afternoon, and you can get forgiveness for that sin before you go out and get drunk. If you want to go out and commit adultery, you can go down and kneel that, and, and confess that sin of adultery and get forgiven before you commit it. God help us as to what goes on in the goal. Let me point that out quickly in closing. If you look back at verse number 16, verse number 16, Verse number four, two. Go back to Revelation 17, four. I want you to see it in both places. It says, decked with gold. Now look in verse chapter 18 and verse 16. Decked with gold. I looked up and studied that verse, that, the word. Decked means hanging on the outside. Decked with gold pictured gold ornaments hanging on the outside of the garment for nothing more than decoration. Now, if you remember, and we'll see it again when we get to the epod that the high priest wove, the gold was woven in throughout the fabric of the garment of the high priest that represented our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. This gold that this mother harlot is not woven in and out through the fabric, and there's no blue there. It was nothing more but ornaments hanging on the outside. How many of you have been in some of these Catholic churches and false religions and ungodly churches? They've got it all decorated beautiful. They've got all the colors and they've got gold, gold ornaments. It pictures nothing. It doesn't picture gold. It doesn't picture deity. It pictures something hanging on the outside that has no deity. God's not part of that religion in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So the entrance to the tabernacle all the way through it, we find blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, and the gold was woven into the, the garment of the high priest. And y'all remember, Jesus said in uh, John chapter 10, verse 9, he said, I am the door. If any man climb up any other way, he's a thief and a robber. Brethren, remember this. Please remember this. When you take the blue out of anything in the scripture, you got to remember God's not in it. God doesn't have anything to do with him because that is a symbol that says God's here. God's part of this. All right, and then we've got the pomegranates and the golden bells, and we're running out of time, but y'all know that. That was to put on, and the priest went in behind the bell to meet with the Holy of Holy, first to commit uh, to make atonement for the sins of the people for his own self, and then atonement for the sins of the people. They could hear those bells ringing. And he went in there, he was dressed properly, he went in with the right attitude, he went in with everything was according to pattern. If not, he died. God killed him. That happened. And when the bells stopped ringing, from what Josephus and other historians tell us, they knew that he'd been struck dead and they had a rope tied to his ankle and they couldn't go in behind that bell into the Holy of Holies, but they would drag him out, take him out and bury him. Uh, let me close by saying this. You and I need to stop and to realize how serious this is and how important it is that we follow the pattern 
that God gave us. If they didn't follow it in that day, they died. All right, let's bow our head. Let's have prayer. And for sure, let's pray for Brother Cutshaw in the morning service that he preached with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God would hold sway and have his way in our service here this morning. All right, we'll see you all next week. We'll close in prayer. Bye-bye.